Bright Lights Big Data, a podcast about people, places, and data. I'm your data host, Tammy Armstrong. I'm your planning host, Mike Armstrong, and we are back to our interviews. Yay! (laughs) So after a couple of episodes with just us, we have a new guest today and one that I'm really excited about because it's one that I don't know a whole lot about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's exciting. We're recording this on the first day of fall, and fall is in the air today, and you can smell the pumpkin spice lattes, and what is more fall than elections, right? So we're really excited to have a specialist on that, amongst other things, here with us today, Polk County Auditor Jamie Fitzgerald. Jamie, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for the invite, and I appreciate your hospitality, and it is a great day out today. Absolutely. Uh, We're about a little bit over 40 days out from the election. So things are really starting to pick up. Yeah, Yeah, busy time for you, I imagine. (laughs) Busy time for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for making time for us. We're going to go ahead and just kind of dive into our questions and let our guests get to know more about you and what you do. So as Polk County Auditor, what do you do and how did you get here? Well, what I do is I have 49 employees that work in our office and I have five different departments. I have an election department. Uh, where we put on on all the elections, everything from city council to school board to president. We we do them all. Then I have an accounting department where we pay all the county's bills. So the county's got a pretty hefty budget, usually about two and a half to three million dollars per week that my staff goes through and make sure the the payments actually actually add up to the receipts. Yep. Then I have a tax department. So in the tax department what we do is we make sure that you only pay your fair share. That we don't assess your home, we don't charge for your home, but we want to make sure that when the cities say they need X amount of millions of dollars, that everyone pays their fair share and nothing more. Mm-hmm. I have a GIS department, geographic information systems that we use. Uh, we use that a lot to get the base layer of the map. Mm-hmm. Again, we want to make sure you only pay what you're supposed to pay and not into your neighbor's yard. We want to make sure that everything is accurate. And then finally, we have an administrative function where if there are three board members, we staff all their meetings. And some of the interesting things we've done with that position, we have all of our minutes for our board mm-hmm. meetings from the 1800s on on our website. Wow. That's really you can cool. actually go in. There's a few, few, about a decade that we're missing here and there. But you can actually go back through the 1800s and see mm-hmm. the calligraphy and see the actual handwriting they use. Wow. <laughs> and we have a weekly newsletter uh, that we send out with some fun stuff in there, like what, what happened on this day in 1950 hmm. or 1850. Yeah. And then we also have an area in our... Uh, tax department where you can actually trace everyone that's owned your home. Hmm. So a lot of times we get, is anyone famous owned my home? <laughs> so we we got to find what famous is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Cloris Leachman doesn't live everywhere. Yeah. But you can track everyone that's owned your property. Yeah. So that's some, that's some of the things that we do. How I got there, I worked in the Iowa Senate, and one of my specialties, I did Ways and Means and Appropriations for the Senate Democrats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a few years. And we kind of got to the point where it was getting burned out when you're a legislator or legislative staff. From January to May, you're not going to see your family a lot. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to work a lot of hours. It's when you had a young family, you had to make some changes. And I was fortunate enough to meet Mike Morrow, who was actually elected as Secretary of State in 2006. Mm. But I worked for him from 2002 until 2007 and then stayed behind and was appointed auditor. And from there, I'm like a bad penny, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, personally, I think we've, we've benefited from the GIS perspective or GIS part of, of what you do. I think we've, we've used some of the local layers for some follow-up analysis on some of our episodes. So that's, that's pretty cool. 
I love to hear that. No, <laughs> no one's ever talked about GIS with me. So. <laughs> so is the auditor an elected position, and has it always been an elected position? Yes, it is an elected position. Uh, it's been that way going way back. I'm sure at some point it was appointed. Uh, on our website, we have all the auditors mm -hmm. through the course of history, and there were judges prior to that. Mm -hmm. So they kind of transitioned from judges to elected officials. Mm -hmm. And I've been elected three times, 2008, 2012, and 2016. So it's, it is an elected position, but really when you get to it, when you start talking about paying bills and getting people to vote, it's really a nonpartisan. Yeah. You know, even though you run on a partisan, you want to make sure that everybody's got their home, their favorite right. home team. But in the end, we want everybody to vote. Mm -hmm. And we want everybody to pay their bills. We want to pay every vendor we have. So everything's done pretty nonpartisanly, even though it is a partisan. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been some bills to change it from partisan to nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the legislators come through from either the city council, school boards, or the county boards. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them kind of view it as kind of a feeder almost. And so that's why I think it hasn't changed. Okay, great. What are some common misconceptions about what you do? So one of the biggest misconceptions is all I do is elections. <laughs> so everyone, you know, the media covers and they cover it very well. But we have a lot of other parts that we do. I mean, I'm great to hear about the GIS, how, how it <laughs> played out for you guys. But, you know, paying all the bills, making sure, you know, we might not always agree with how the money's being spent, but we got to make sure we pay what, what they have agreed to. We have a very high bond rating that no one ever talks hmm. about. We have a AAA bond rating. Wow. Um, we we just put a hotel on at the county level, uh, the Hilton Hotel down mm -hmm. down by Vets Auditorium. That's a county owned facility really? right really? now. So Hilton runs it, uh, but the county's financed quite a bit of it. Hmm. Along with we own the land for Prairie Meadows. Mm -hmm. So there's some things a lot of people don't understand, but usually the biggest misconception is that. I, all I sit in my office doing look th look at numbers, <laughs> or that all I do is elections. Yeah. So you're just you know really busy once every two years and just kind of slacking <laughs> yeah. all the rest. Of the I, get a lot of, I get a lot of what what do you do in the off season? I'm like yeah. what off season? Yeah. Right, right. You know we, you get done with the election in November, and by the time you clean up the November election, you have a calendar year ending, mm -hmm. and some places are on calendar year as opposed to fiscal year, and there's all, all kinds of different fiscal years. There's mm -hmm. federal fiscal year, mm -hmm. and so it's. It's, it keeps you moving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, takes me back. I was in economics undergrad, and we used to. Ha my department would have a uh, fiscal New Year party, um, <laughs> lots of Monopoly <laughs> games, and we just really nerded it up. <laughs> when you started thinking about the courthouse downtown, mm -hmm. you look across the street, we own that. You look behind it, we own that. Mm -hmm. So there is quite a few things we own. Uh, we run some parks. Uh, Easter mm -hmm. Lake's one of them. Uh, we're doing great things down there. Uh, the conservation. Board actually does that along with the Board of Supervisors where they're dredging it out. They've actually now drained it and they're digging it out and putting native fish back in mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to some of the stuff that's happened over the, the course of time. Mm -hmm. So the county is doing a, a, a huge amount of work <laughs> in a lot of different areas and we have to keep track of that. So when we do a bond like the Water Legacy Bond we passed a number of years ago to help the Easter Lake area, my staff actually goes through and they're, they're the accounting mechanism for the county for that. Yeah, so you guys do get involved in a lot of projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can think of some off the top of my head, but please tell us why should communities care about Polk County Auditor and what you do? Well, I think first and foremost, they should be more, more concerned about our bond rating and that we're paying our bills. Bond ratings gives us a lower threshold to borrow money. And no matter how fiscally conservative or how careful you are with your money, things are going to break down. 
So you think of Wells Fargo Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a bond on that because as you get done paying it off, then pretty soon the backboards don't work or the mm-hmm. heating and cooling or the uh, the big uh, screens don't, they, they start to fail. So it's very important to have a good bond rating. Now, the other thing, and the thing we talk a lot about and you'll see a lot in the next few months is election integrity. Mm-hmm. We count all the votes. We count them all. Uh, we've had recounts for one vote. We've had recounts for zero votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had ties. So we, we're really proud of how we run elections. We call it the election office. We're not a campaign office. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't go out and say, oh, my gosh, it's going to help the Republicans or Libertarians or Democrats. So let's move stuff here. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big operation, and we want to make sure that everyone's votes, you know, counted accurately. Uh, we've dove into cybersecurity in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's something that no one had heard of, you know, years mm-hmm. ago. And we're, we're very proud of the work we do. Uh, we're in the community quite a bit. I average three to four speeches a week. Uh, that includes weekends and nights like this where mm-hmm. I'm willing to come anywhere. And if <laughs> anyone has questions about how to, the voting laws or what's changed, I'm always willing to come out and help. I will vouch for that. I was talking to Mike about this, actually, uh, after we got off the phone, that just sort of, you know, stepping into this and not previously having been very evol- involved with elected officials or or politics or government in general, I, I was kind of astonished by how accessible you were. Like, you kind of think about elected officials like, oh, you know, you can't get any of their time or they're, they're going to be behind layers and layers of administrative assistance. And I called the number on the website. Um, they had to figure out which office you were in because there's multiple <laughs> locations. And then I had you in two minutes and it was incredible. So well, thank you. Vouch for that. <laughs> so, you know, a lot coming up, but what are you most excited about right now? Well, right now what we're most excited about is educating the public on the election. We've moved the goalposts quite a bit. So if you're kind of using a football analogy, if you're kicking a 20 yard field goal, you line up, but now the goalpost is on the far Northeast corner. The wind's coming in your face and it's 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we've done to our voters. Uh, we haven't done a good job educating them, uh, whether it's at the state level or even at the local level. So the things we're working on right now are ensuring that the 80% of the voters that haven't voted yet under the new mm-hmm. voter ID law, uh, when you think of who who's voted, it's been the penny sales mm-hmm. tax and the primary. Mm-hmm. And that's about 20% of our voters in Polk County, which means 80% of them don't know or haven't heard of the new changes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're doing is we're actually buying billboards. Hmm. Uh, not, not everybody likes billboards. Uh, we looked at mailing every voter mm-hmm. and, uh, that was a little cost prohibitive, <laughs> yeah. but we're going to, we're going to work on doing both social media, Facebook live, mm-hmm. and combining that with just getting out there and talking to people. So we'll hit all the neighborhood groups. We'll hit all the senior centers and we want to make sure that everyone's comfortable with the election process. Now they, they might not like the laws and we might not like the laws, but we have to follow them. So this year, we have what's called the soft rollout. And that's the hardest thing to educate people on because they've heard bring an ID. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the year that if you're pre-registered, and what that means is you haven't moved, you haven't changed your registration, or you've registered by October 27th, you're going to be in the, what we call the election register, which is our black book. That allows you not to show an ID. Mm-hmm. So you can go in and you can make a silent protest, say, I'm not going to show you my ID. And we actually have on our website... Uh, backslash auditor to go to the election tab uh, look for our precinct officials we actually have all of our training materials on there so mm. all of our, our election officials on election day are going to have a script to use they're going to come in and say what's your name what's your address 
And do you want to show us an ID or do you want to sign the oath of identification? Mm -hmm. So that's one way we're doing it. But there's been a lot of other changes other than that. I mean, we've lowered the amount of days you can vote from 40 to 29. Yeah. We've stopped mailing ballots. It used to be three days before the election. Now it's 10. Mm. So we're only mailing ballots for about two weeks, a little yeah. bit over two weeks. So we've actually ramped up our satellite voting. And those are mobile areas you can go vote that are close to your mm. house. They're, think of them as libraries, senior centers in, in most of our cities. Now, we also have a little bit of a thing we do for our voters because we let them vote anywhere. Just because you live in the Beaverdale area, you might work in West Des Moines. And that might be more convenient for you to go. So you can go there and your ballot will be there. I didn't uh, know that. And we'll, we'll do that. We'll have that for, we're going to run those from October 15th to October 31st. And it's, it's the first time we've ran past the voter registration deadline. Now in Iowa, we have same day registration. You can always come mm -hmm. in election day, show an ID, and then you have to prove residency as well. So we've worked with Drake on that because a lot of these students don't have, I have four kids in college and none of them have printers and <laughs> yep. very few of them have bills in their names. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they were to go into their polling site without registering, mm -hmm. they would be able to show an ID. But if that ID didn't have their, their current address on it, mm -hmm. they'd be forced to show an, a, something different. So at Drake, we worked on an app with Drake University. So their students that live on campus can just show this app. And that's a way that they can prove their residency. So we're yeah. pretty proud of that. Nice. So right now we've been just focusing solely on elections. But work continues on the, you know, we pay the bills every week. We keep with the taxes. So we're, we're fairly busy. But right now, almost all of my personal focus is on elections. I'm kind of fascinated by logistics. So I'm, I'm really um, appreciative of, of all of that. I mean, thinking about things like, you know, the first time we moved here, you update your address with, I guess it's Iowa Department of Transportation here, but you don't get a new license. Like it doesn't, they don't send you anything. Even in Oregon, you would get this weird sticker in the mail that you're supposed to put on your ID with oh, your new yeah, address so over it. So right? both, for both of us, our driver's license still does not show our current address. Right. So it but it's updated in the years. system. They just updated don't give the you the new card for it. Yeah. So that would be a very important if you weren't pre-registered to, right. to bring something to the polling site. There's nothing mm -hmm. worse than going to your polling site waiting in line and saying, well, you have to need this. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone that doesn't have the information, we have provisional ballots. Mm -hmm. So again, going to that website, we'll actually have a poster for everyone to understand where they're at in the process. Mm -hmm. If you're green, you're voting on the machine, and that means you haven't moved, you're pre-registered. Uh, the only way that you would not vote on the machine is if you have an absentee ballot we haven't received. And then we you just got to put it in an envelope called a provisional ballot. And what a provisional ballot is, is instead of putting your ballot in the machine that reads it, mm -hmm. you put it in an envelope. And what we're doing checking the envelope is we're making sure that you both prove your residency along with your ID and that you're not a felon. Mm -hmm. So that's the big thing uh, this year. We've had 92 counties out of 99 have uh, computer apparatuses at all their polling sites. Mm -hmm. Polk County is not one of them. Mm -hmm. We decided that, one, we thought we could do it with a poster to explain the process to people. Uh, we think the computers are very important, but we think it's a poor investment right now for us. Uh, we'd be more apt to do it if you let, let us have vote centers. What a vote center is lets you vote anywhere, similar to our satellites, where you know you can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't need to come to a certain location. Because in Iowa, your precinct's based on 3,500 people. Mm. So it's not voters, it's mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in Polk County, we have 177 locations based on this 3,500 number, mm -hmm. which is too bad because a lot of them are inconvenienced voters mm -hmm. and they're not on bus lines. 
So I get they're in your neighborhood, but we think we should be able to do vote centers. So when we looked at getting the uh, computers, which like I said, I want to be clear, we're not against computers. But at this point, we just don't think it was a good investment because mm-hmm. uh, really all you're doing is walking people through the same poster we have mm-hmm. on a computer screen, but you're checking them as a felon database. Mm-hmm. And we, we just find that for 16,000 felons in Polk County, out of 300,000 registered voters, we didn't think that was a good investment of our tax dollars. It's so interesting thinking about it's not as simple as just open up a polling center and go vote, <laughs> right? I mean, there's all these other things like a law changes that reduces the window of time that you have, that increases requirements that maybe aren't necessarily supported by the other departments in the state or the county, you know, logistically. And so that's really cool that you you guys have all that stuff going on to try to smooth the way for voters. And right now, just to ensure people that their vote counts, we're actually going through, we have a, a uh, bunch of ballots we're testing. So we test to make sure every oval counts. And prior to election day, we'll count over 15,000 ballots to make sure that everything counts accurately. And this is the first year we're going to have precinct, uh, election audits. So in most states, we do a lot of election audits. So you do half your ballots or all your ballots. In Iowa, they're going to pick one precinct per county. So depending on which precinct, so say they pick our absentee precinct. Mm -hmm. And we firmly think we'll get between 60 and Mm 65,000. You have to hand count those. That'd be a little bit much. So they said (laughs) just put 2,000 through the machine, then hand count them. Mm -hmm. And you're only hand counting for governor. You're not hand counting everything Mm-hmm. But it is it is going to be a change for us, and it's 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 a natural change. It's something we probably should do, but we should also tell the voters that we do test all the you know, we test all the ovals. We make sure everything counts. So yeah. we test in our office on a machine. Then we take them to to our actual precincts when we deliver the machines to make sure they're counted right, and then we zero out the machine. I'm sure it's always been complex, but you can just see ways that it's been getting more and more complicated over the years with new technologies and mm-hmm. maybe this is just perception and the work that I do but like people being more mobile mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just adds a lot more wrinkles that you have to account for and make sure everything is tallying up. Well and two I, I think it's interesting with just kind of generational shifts about how people get their information right you mentioned using billboards and social media to inform people about the votes um, you know early on when we moved here and, and weren't really sure of the lay of the land, there were definitely times when I found out elections were happening because my more politically active friends were talking about, make sure you vote on this thing coming up. It's like, how do you find out about these things? Like, we don't really watch live television. You know, we have Netflix. We don't watch the local news. Um, and I get a lot of my news from social media, Twitter, you know, I follow news accounts on Twitter and things like that. And they're not always necessarily getting those details out at that level. And um, you know, it's that's definitely on me to seek information more, but there's also kind of that design thinking aspect of making it as easy as possible for people. Well, to it's get changing. That info. Voting's changing. Our you know, our demographics are changing. Uh, we can talk about young people don't vote, but by 2020, the millennials and Gen X folks are going to be over half the voting population, so they're going to start making a lot of decisions. So mm-hmm. these candidates that don't get into the social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Um, and I'm sure there's other ones I'm not even thinking of, but if they're not reaching out to these voters mm-hmm. and they're, they're just going to stay at home Yeah. and candidates have done a good job reaching out to them. We've seen their numbers pump up, especially, uh, president Obama, mm-hmm. uh, when he was, he reached out to a, a younger crowd. 
mm-hmm. and kind of spurred a whole new generation. That's where you see the Dieter Desjeers, Tim Gannon, mm-hmm. the Rob Sands, people like that that works on these campaigns mm-hmm. are now moving up to run. Yeah. And it's a great thing. Yeah. Oregon also spoiled me a little bit because uh, it's a vote by mail. And so, like, all your ballots get mailed to you, and they, I don't have been, to know when anything is happening. It just comes to me. There's actually been a push to do that here. Yeah. Uh, our postal union, along with the U.S. Post Office, would love to do that. Mm. Um, there's a group of auditors that are researching it right now. Uh, Iowa is one of those states that changed slowly. Yeah. Uh, we, we were one of the, we did same-day registration in about 2008. Mm. And, you know, we kind of go around the edges, but this last change in 2017 with the voter ID, uh, that's one of our most drastic changes we've had. Whether you like it or don't like it, it's still the law. So in 2018, I just want to reiterate, you don't have to have an ID. Mm -hmm. In 2019, you're going to have to. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some court challenges. Currently, there's an injunction that stops the signature verification, which you have in Oregon, Mm -hmm. where you compare signatures of the request versus the ballot. Well, in Iowa... We don't have the machines you had to, mm-hmm. to change that. So we were actually given the authority to look. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I could judge and say, well, I, you know, I think Mike did Tammy's or mm-hmm. vice versa. So there was a mechanism to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people disagreed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was burdensome. I think that, you know, when you're asking people to sign a piece of paper every election, uh, we should have permanent absentee. If you want to vote absentee and you're not following the local news, you mm-hmm. should, there should be a checkbox for you to get a permanent absentee ballot. Yeah. There's no reason to sign up for one every election. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've got about 8,500 requests, absentee ballot requests that are going to be mailed out October 8th. And we've already had 100 duplicates of those. Mm. So people are forgetting they've signed up. Yeah. But if we had permanent absentee, which I've, which I've advocated for a number of years now, mm-hmm. it would make the system a lot easier and a lot safer. Yeah. I uh, think of people that are shut in, think of people that don't, yeah. aren't mobile. Mm-hmm. It gives them an opportunity just to have the ballot sent to them without having to print something off, mail it. So we're, we're kind of lacking in that area. But right now, I mean, cybersecurity, everybody's talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one of the few counties that wirelessly transmit our results. Hmm. So all of our machines are actually connected to the Internet at a certain time, certain IP addresses. And they transmit the election results into a computer that's not hooked up to our system. It only receives data. It only receives data from certain IP addresses. Mm-hmm. So, could somebody hack into that? You know, you never say never. Right. But it's pretty secure. Mm-hmm. Then we take that data from that server into our county server, which they both have firewalls. Mm-hmm. So, we're very comfortable with how we do it. You know, I don't know how other counties do it, but I know how we do it. And I know our vendor, Unison, along with RBM, do a great job for us, along with our professional IT staff. Well, and I remember hearing about this, of course, with voter ID laws. The discussion around election fraud has been increased. And talking about, has there really been much fraud in Iowa, both at the in-person kind of individual level or, you know, attempts to to hack in general? And, and the sense was that probably not so much. <laughs> I think we may have the only case of, election, of convicted election fraud in Iowa. Mm-hmm. In 2016, we had a young uh, person that decided they're going to vote for a presidential candidate, uh, not once but twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we alerted the police. They went and did the investigation. We're not investigators. We sent it to the Des Moines Police Department. They came back and thought there was enough to make have charges. Our county attorney prosecuted. Mm-hmm. So, our system set up to catch things, mm-hmm. and we've always been confident in our system, and. In terms of the cybersecurity, we've always been confident how we how we do our operation. I can't speak for other counties, but I'm I'm confident they do a good job and the best they can. 
but we have professionals in, in our IT staff, mm-hmm. professionals in my office that work in IT. So we've taken everything very seriously. Um, can somebody hack in through other means? Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume they can. Uh, you know, my, when we met with our security team the first time, they said if you're hacked, you won't know it. You won't see it. You won't mm-hmm. know it for months. So we've always monitored and taken everything pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And we now have a two-factor system on our statewide iVoter system, which is the statewide mm-hmm. voter registration system. Mm-hmm. So that's been a good thing. That, that just started last week for us. And oh, well. we, mm-hmm. we, we look forward to doing it that way. Yeah. Great. All right. One of the things I like to talk about is, you know, on Election Day, we can't see everything. You know, we, we do have all of our, we'll have a thousand people working for us at the polling sites. But if you go to the polling site and don't, something doesn't feel right, doesn't meet the smell test, we ask you to call our office. You know, don't go to Facebook, don't go to Twitter. We'd like to fix it right there. And a lot of times it's like a snowball running down the hill. When you say, oh my gosh, I got turned away. Well, you may mm-hmm. have been told, listen, we need to have this and this. We're going to give you a receipt and you may be the third person behind it here. Well, they're not going to vote. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we're playing defense on election day. When mm-hmm. All we want to do is help people vote. So if you see anything, we ask you to call our office at 286-3247 and kind of stay off Facebook. I get everyone wants to let everyone know what's going mm-hmm. on, but give us the opportunity because we don't have time a lot a lot of times because we are answering these calls mm-hmm. and making the changes. So the one thing we ask is anyone, anytime you see something, just if you see it, please ask them, can you call the office? Because we can fix everything election day. I can't fix it two days after, a week after, and we want to fix it. We want to make sure everybody's treated equitably. We want to make sure all the laws are being followed. So if you see something you're not comfortable with, just call our office. Sounds good. Absolutely. Um, so now for our last question, what should we have for dinner tonight? Well, you should always have cavatelli. Ooh. It's an easy, easy fix. Uh, it goes well with wine. Uh, you can have garlic bread. So it's a, it's a pretty nice one when you have toddlers because it's a, basically a casserole. Yeah. Yes. You put it all in, you shut it, you go play with your... Your young one, and then you, you're done. You know so well. You came prepared. I love it. Yeah, and she does love bread. So well, I, 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 I had cappuccino like today. So perfect. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about what the Polk County Auditor and Auditor's Office does. Thank you for the opportunity. And we're back. Yay. <laughs> uh, want to say thanks again to Jamie Fitzgerald. I'm really happy to have him on the show. Yeah, I think it was it was really fascinating to hear, and maybe this is just me being something of a process nerd sometimes, but just all of those intricate little pieces that can go into everyday things like, you know, elections. I guess aren't everyday, but commonplace enough that we don't necessarily think about everything it takes to make it happen. Yeah. And um... to happen well. Yeah, and uh, also nice hearing what else he does. I mean, that's kind of why we got into this podcast is, you know, we see county auditor on the ballot and we don't really know what that means. Like, we know some of the election stuff, although not all, we certainly learn more about that. But, I mean, I think it was really interesting to talk about the bond rating. I mean, any city, county, regional project, we're taking out loans, that bond rating kind of boxes us in, like, tells us what we're allowed Mm -hmm. to do at what rates, like how trustworthy and reliable is our government. So that was interesting to hear about um, and, you know, plays a big role even though we don't think about it. So, yeah, it was good hearing about Mm -hmm. County Auditor, making sure they're out there keeping our government on the line. (laughs) Yeah, 
Um, really making sure that we have democratic processes. Really. Yeah, and that we're following through on the things we're doing, that mm -hmm. taxes are being collected not too much, not too little, yeah. that they're going where we say we're going. And how cool, too, to all the digitization that they've done of historical records and um it's got me curious to kind of log on and see i imagine they're kind of images rather than transferred into text but you know that'd be kind of a cool project to kind of crawl through and and do some text categorization uh, yeah, i, I want to look at some of those old agendas and minutes mm -hmm. like what were they talking about in the 1880s that's crazy <laughs> um so we feel like uh, y'all have heard plenty from us in the past few weeks. Um, so we're going to keep this a little, a little briefer, make sure we're staying on schedule and staying prepared for the next couple of episodes. But again, big thanks to Jamie being available, being very accessible and mm -hmm. um, willing to walk us through a lot of parts of government that we didn't really know about before. Yeah, I've been very pleasantly surprised about that through this whole experience so far and our other episodes too. Like... I think people naturally sort of, in general, fear looking stupid to ask about things they don't understand, right? And that's kind of the entire premise of our show. Yeah. It's like, what do you... We can, what, we can do okay, that Okay, but for what you. do you do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I still have some of that fear when we're doing the interviews, especially if it's not someone that we know particularly well. And um, he and, and everyone else that we've talked to has made that a very safe space for us. So thanks to all of our guests. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, you know, I would also put this out to any of our listeners, too. I keep having this expectation that, like, they're going to be way too busy. We're going to try mm -hmm, to get a hold mm -hmm. of a council member or a school board member or a county auditor, and we'll be doing the runaround, not because they're putting us off, just, like, they mm -hmm. have so much stuff to do. Like, I never would have thought about it in past cities or states that we had lived in, mm -hmm. reaching out, but they have all been fantastically accessible they want to talk to people they want to mm -hmm. you know explain what they do and why it matters so that's been great and um i don't think that's you know any sort of special access from our podcast no, that is um, we we don't have anywhere near like the reach to be like having public well you gotta yeah there are no credentials show up on our show we we um, have such an audience that you can reach I, they're just we're part of their community, and and they have all had this sense of wanting to educate and serve that community, and so they've been willing to talk. Yeah, so I think to wrap up, please do reach out to us mm -hmm. on Twitter, on our website, and if you have specific questions, I think I could honestly say, like, reach out to some of our past guests on the episodes, too. Yeah, I think they'd um, all be open. Yeah, they've been fantastic. They want to help people understand how it all works, so... Mm -hmm. You know, don't be intimidated by any of that. Yeah, and so, you know, if there are particular questions that you have about how something in the community works, or even if you have a particular office or position in mind that you want to learn more about, shoot us an email at brightlightsbigdata at gmail.com. You can message or tweet at us at blbdpod, or maybe you represent one of those offices or those departments or organizations that people might want to hear more about. We're in discussions with someone who could be our first listener turned guest and that could be you next so feel free to reach out we'd be happy to talk yeah so that's it for us this week we'll see you in a couple mondays with <laughs> either a new guest or a new episode of us thank you for listening this has been bright lights big data until next time